0: We had a wonderful time doing it. You know, I, I think it was uh, really five delicious years in my life. Jim wanted to stop when we were at our best. I realize now that was a golden time. It was magical and it was a grind. Anybody who does a, a series on TV knows it is a relentless thing
1: every single week and you're working like hell. And there's nobody, nobody who worked harder than Jim.
0: Hi-ho, and welcome once again to A Feat of Lunatic Daring, the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, Muppetational podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. My name is Chad. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Jackson. Nick, this is the end. My only friend, the end.
1: How are you doing tonight? It has been a long week. I'm glad the work week is over. Um, and it's been raining. They're, we're still in the middle of, I guess what they're calling that atmospheric river, which is going to be great for catching up on sleep. Well, that's good. I mean,
0: I don't know if it's good or not, but it's good for you. Definitely the hope. This is the feed of Lunatic Daring, where podcasts podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets before we get started, uh, we would like to ask you to check us out on social media at Lunatic Daring on Facebook and Instagram, lunaticdaring.com, where you can find our watch list and our bibliography. Uh, also, while you're at it, uh, when you're, um, you know, right now, while you're listening to this on your podcast app of choice, go ahead and drop in a review. I mean, you're already in the app. so just drop in a review and a rating for us. That would be great. We have been going through the Muppet show two episodes at a time for the past. God, it's gotta be like two and a half years now.
1: Don't, don't say that. That means that my nephews are old enough to form full sentences. And I, I don't know how to feel about that. My oldest daughter turns 10 in July.
0: Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> 10, Nick. Just imagine that little kid and now imagine that she's about to turn 10.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) But uh, we've reached the end. We've reached the end of The Muppet Show. So we're going to do our season five wrap up like we've done with the other seasons. And then we're going to look ahead. So um, let's go ahead and get started.
1: Let's get started.
0: All right. So we're going to do this just like we always do with the top five, top five lists. And we'll just kind of tick them down. It's just for fun. This is just our own personal Impressions of the season. Um, I will say ahead of time, I had a hard time with some of these picks. I some not as much stood out to me this year.
1: I, I'm not sure how much of that is that versus. There are three things that might be a cause for that. One, it could have just been like them, sort of like cruising home because Jim always wanted it to be five seasons, and this is our fifth season. Two, they could have just had it figured out by now, yeah, and had the engine running. Three. We started this in December and it's March now. So I don't know if time dilation plays into that. Yeah, we have taken longer this
0: time around to record it. But I I don't know. I think that there's something to not that they're coasting, but that they're firing on all cylinders and nothing really stands
1: out. A lot of how we've been framing this has been sort of based around watching them grow and watching it take form. And now that we are in the home stretch for the Muppets show it makes sense that they know what works and they stick to that. Right. Yeah. Is it also possible? I'm going to be sacrilegious here. Is it also possible that season five is just not as good as season four and three? It's possible. Um, I don't know. There, there are moments that stick out, but with that being said, three and four felt like they had more ups and downs and this one sort of cruised down the center. Well, we'll start off easy with best musical number. Why don't you start us off with your number
0: five best musical number?
1: Okay. So before I go into best musical number, I I do to make it, I need to make it clear. Usually when we do these lists, I try my best not to double dip. I've thrown that out of the window with this one to some degree, but also with this season in particular, it became increasingly difficult to delineate between a sketch and a musical number. Maybe we just had more musical numbers per episode. Um, but you'll, you'll see a couple of sketches that are musical numbers too. I had that problem too Don't worry about it I had that problem too But yeah It's It's solid My number five Which will surprise no one We want you
0: We want you We want you As a new recruit We want you We want you We want you As a new recruit Where can you find pleasure Search the world for treasure Learn science technology Where where can you begin to make your dreams all come true On the land or on the sea? Where? Where can you learn to fly, play, in sports or skin, dive, study oceanography? Where? Sign up for the Big band or sit in the Grandstand When your team and others meet Where? In the Navy Yes, you can sail the seven seas In the Navy Yes, you can patrol
1: Came from episode 524, uh, which featured Link singing the village people, which is just a good combo. Uh, It's the end of the Navy Viking opener. Yeah, I knew you'd go for that one. But did you think it would be number five? Uh, No,
0: I I didn't know where, but I I figured you might go for that. Um, You like it when? I mean, I love Link too. It didn't make my list, but uh, it was definitely on my on my radar. Uh, One of those great opening set pieces that they learn to do so well. That's one thing they do do really well going into seasons four and five is these opening set pieces that are really great, usually involving pigs. Mm -hmm. My number five musical number is Danny boy.
1: (laughs) I sent you that, a beastie boys clip, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Um, Is Danny boy sung by the Swedish chef Beaker and animal. The, concept of taking the three hardest to understand Muppets I will not call them incomprehensible because the Swedish chef may be by some people comprehensible I mean you could learn mock Swedish Animal can communicate he does know English Beaker I'm not so sure what his deal is but I mean he's very emotive but not quite comprehensible. But um, but but the idea of taking these three characters that are very hard to understand and m- making them do this great Irish ballad uh, is really really funny.
1: The emoting by the end of it, well, the fact that all of them just completely lose it is also great. The
0: animals very distraught about Danny. And you're right, it's also a very I, I've seen it. You sent it to me, and other people have sent it to me too. The clip of the people cutting sabotage to it mm-hmm. by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> it works uh, and it really works. <laughs> it's really cool. It's if you, hey, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's really funny.
1: My number four was actually after you've gone from episode 504, it was an instrumental piece with the orchestra, but it was just nice. Okay. Like we're, we're so used, it, there's nothing wrong with us in the slightest. It's part of why we love them. We're, we're so used to the shenanigans, but there are a lot of moments throughout the series run of just really good musical performances and this is definitely one of the ones for the final season. absolutely. I don't remember it at all <laughs> <laughs> it's There aren't any lyrics to it. there's no real yeah. twist. It's just like a straightforward jam, but it's good. Uh my number four is "I was made for Dancing <laughs> by Carol Burnett. Is that the one where she was running everyone down in order to run out the clock? yeah yeah that was a, that was a good one. Now,
0: this kind of crosses the line like you were talking about between a sketch kind of song because mm-hmm. it is a musical number, but it's totally played for laughs. But um, yeah, her, her, the, how she just kind of just kept spe- speeding, it speeding it up and speeding it up and speeding it up to try to get the dance marathon over with.
1: That was, um, was well, really, I think that really was like great. the closing thing for that episode, but that was yeah. when she really sold me on like her being full on Carol Burnett. I was like, okay, I, I see it. Yeah. So she was really great. So my number 3 uh and some of the reasoning behind it is probably going to draw some ire from some of our listeners. It's The Cat Came Back from 523. I love The Cat Came Back. It was so good. It was such a great and it was great that we got to see like a focal piece on Rolf in the last episode or one of the last episodes. But also I'm just distinctly like not a cat person. Like I have some weird irrational phobia that I'm going to become involved with a woman that just keeps bringing home cats. I call it an allergy. I, that's probably the better way to go about it. I don't yeah, like Lime, though. I just, I don't, it's a boundaries thing. Um, but I, I also genuinely enjoyed the song.
0: It's a great number. It's very funny. I agree. It, it, I had a hard time not, not putting that one on my list. And he gave the cat to a man who Took the cat away, she was acting cool and calm. And then the bomb exploded, it made an awful sound. Yeah! They looked, and looked for ages and the man was never found. Yeah, came back. She wouldn't care. Sitting on the porch. The very next day, the cat came back. She didn't want to roam. The very next day, it was home, sweet home. Uh My number three is It's Hard to Be Humble by Mac Davis. Lord, it's hard to be humble. Perfect in every
1: way. I can't wait to look in the
0: mirror because i get better looking each day <laughs> to know him is to love him well, he must be a hell of a peak. oh lord it's hard to be humble when you're blessed with the talent this big um you know i love me some link hogthrob and that is the perfect link song and it is the perfect link hogthrob song mm-hmm. um it also has the the distinction of having the Muppets swear a little bit in the song. <laughs> I forgot about that.
1: To what? To know me is to know me. I must be a hell of a man. I must be a hell of a man. Lord, it's hard. Lord, it's hard to be humble.
0: What are we doing? We're doing the best that we can. I did like Mike Davis uh, and his complete an utter cold reading of Link and knowing exactly who this man was, mm-hmm. who this pig was, and singing the perfect song. Hard to be humble. Episode five fourteen.
1: So, my number two, uh, which will come as a surprise to no one, is Rainbow Connection from five oh nine, the Debbie Harry episode. I didn't love that episode in general, but I this is one of the earliest versions of the Rainbow Connection that I heard, and it's one of the ones that seared into my memory and. I really it's a really nice moment from that episode. Yeah, there's there's not a lot more to say about it. It just I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. So did I. My number two is
0: I'm so happy. <laughs> from from yeah, episode five twenty three with the two very depressed gentlemen and a piano singing the gloomiest song you've ever heard about being happy. Special shout out to the piano player with his line reading of, I'm so happy I could die. <laughs> beautiful. Just beautiful Muppet comedy music. I,
1: I agree. That was a really nice one. Was that a UK spot? It might have been. I don't know. They blend together. They I think it was. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Chad, having heard my other four, what do you think my number one is? I have no idea. None, really? None. Like, is it Danny Boy? It is not Danny Boy. Danny Boy did not make my musical moments list. Um, but it almost did. It is actually the Pied Piper sketch slash ease on down oh, the road. Of course. Of course. <laughs>
0: He's on down the road. Come on. He's on down.
1: He's on down the road. Don't you care? nothing that might be alone. Come on. He's on down. He's on down the road. Partially because I just wasn't expecting it at all. John Pierre Ron Paul. Yeah. Yes. Such such a great moment. Such a great way to close out the episode. I forgot about that one. It was I didn't. It was great.
0: I forgot about that because my number one is just rainbow connection with Debbie Harry. Why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but it's just a nice rendition of the song and having the rainbow connection on the Muppet show. It's the only time that happens. Uh, I like that episode better than you do. I I like her in it, Um, despite her, what were her appearance, her, her, the appearance that she might be on something.
1: Well, it wasn't even necessarily an act of dislike. I was just sort of underwhelmed, but I, I like Debbie Harry in general. It's nothing against like the personality that is Debbie Harry, just I guess I had high hopes for that particular episode of the Muppet show. Yes. Yeah, so that was my number one, but no, that's
0: good. I didn't, um, I had forgotten about the Pied Piper. That's a good moment. That's a very good moment. I, it, it caught me off guard completely. No, it's, no. it's, it's a, it's a really, I mean, the whole sketch is really funny. And then when they start singing, he's on down the road, it's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing.
1: Uh, honorable mentions go to Blackbird from five Oh three. Cause it was just, it was a nice moment with Floyd. Uh, but they like their Beatles songs for sure. And then also 510 gave us a Marvin Suggs conga. Oh, the conga. Yeah, that's on my honorable mentions too. Which yeah. absolutely should have pissed off PETA because a lot of the animals that come in at the end look like they've been experimented on. And knowing Marvin, they probably were. But it was ju- it was such a nice nice thing, and you didn't have them up a the phone or anything really. It was just Marvin Suggs invading the uh, the veterinarian's hospital set.
0: Yeah, the conga line was, was great. I I, I couldn't figure out where to put it. Yeah, that's, I, I know that pain. I couldn't figure out where to put it, so, but that's great. All right, so next up, we do, uh, our best comedic sketches slash our favorite storylines. The things that make us laugh, the, 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 the concepts that we really liked, the jokes that made us laugh, the sketches that we liked, things like that. So I'll go first. Um. My number five is too many beakers. <laughs> episode 514. Now that's a misnomer because one may say that you can never have too many beakers. Dr. Bunsen might or might not say that. Honeydew would say you can have too many beakers. But that was that was I believe the Mac Davis episode. Um, Mac Davis getting a lot of play in my list today now that I look at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that was from the Mac Davis episode and that was when Bunsen uh created like eight copies of beaker that then began to haunt him and mm-hmm. chase him all over the stage at, to get revenge on bunsen for all the atrocities he's committed upon the alpha beaker <laughs> beaker prime you will too many beakers episode 514
1: um my number 5 was actually another one from 510 it was low here a gentle arc which was the duet between uh Jean-Pierre and Piggy and them just constantly trying to upstage each other. This is another one of the ones that might have been a musical bit, but it's also very much a sketch. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's very funny. You'd like the Jean-Pierre Ron Paul. I was surprised. Part of what sells that for me so much is just how stuffy it seems like he would be and how he completely undermines any of those preconceived notions. Uh, My number four is James Coburn and Animals Bromance there that was one of my honorable mentions,
0: yeah, not much to say about it, just good just the scene where they're meditating together is just <laughs> worth it, and when they're when they're learning they're learning they're out trying to out tough guy each other by throwing chairs.
1: Hmm. uh
0: you know that that episode had a little bit of a glitch when when Coburn does like a Japanese impression at the end, yeah. But besides that, uh I like that episode. And um uh yeah, I just I like their relationship.
1: My number four is actually Danny Boy. Um
0: Okay. All right. And I, yes. I threw it in
1: there specifically because once again, Beaker doesn't make it to the end of a song. Um they just completely break down. Uh but from 520, that was I I mean, there's not too much more to say about it that hasn't already been said, but it, it is a great, great bit.
0: Yeah, and that's that's where it's weird, right? Is like, is it comedy or is it music? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's technically both,
1: right? Yeah. They definitely wrote all of those sketches thinking that one day we would be making a podcast about it.
0: Yes, exactly. They wanted to put them in very distinct categories just for us. Um, My number three is Gonzo running the dance marathon. Uh-huh. Specifically Gonzo's participation in the dance marathon and his enthusiasm for said marathon. And his hard acidness about said marathon.
1: But I don't Gonzo, know if Gonzo's ever been as adamant as he was on that episode. No, Gonzo
0: was very into what was happening in the dance marathon episode. And uh, I,
1: I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, mine was actually the Benraku performance from 508. I just remember something about seeing the fan expand that was weirdly satisfying. Yeah. Ben Schwartz, not Ben Schwartz, um, (laughs) Ben Schwartz, something Schwartz. Um, what was that guy's name? But yeah, the, it was just, it's nice. There's again, sort of like the, the orchestral number from my, my musical collection. It's nice to see the technical things done in a way that's not just look at how technical this is, but also cohesive and like, it's not the first time we've seen one of these alternate styles of puppetry thing. Which reminds me, there was a rule on one of the episodes where Kermit said no puppets, which is just a lie. But it was a nice bit. Look at you picking something classy. Uh, let's, let's keep that, Barlow.
0: Uh, my number two is the Jabberwocky. That's fun. It's really kind of the whole Alice in Wonderland episode. Uh huh. But specifically the Jabberwocky sketch, because it scared the shit out of me as a child. <laughs> just absolutely did. And, and the idea of Scooter being the guy that goes off and slays the walkie, I just I just like it. It's very strange. As they say before they perform it, it's probably the strangest thing they've ever done on the show. I don't agree with that. But, um, but uh, the ja- I, I like the whole Alice in Chains episode.
1: Alice in Chains. <laughs> I like the whole Alice in Wonderland's episode in general. Hot Shields was a lot of fun on there. The fact that she like, created some of the Muppets for the episode, too, was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. Um and uh, and uh, the Jabberwocky, it, it's the Jabberwocky. It's also Floyd as the mushroom peddler. <laughs> it's also Floyd selling shrooms. I'm all, I'm also down for that. So so uh, let's just say Alice in Wonderland number two.
1: My number two is actually Beaker the generator from Five Twenty Two, and then Bunsen randomly throwing a tiger in there in order to keep stuff running. Yeah, the supercharge or whatever. <laughs> Beaker's getting tired. I've got a solution. <laughs> Ever the pragmatist. Um, but yeah, it was just it was a fun development and also you know exactly where that bit's going as soon as Beaker steps into the hamster wheel, but Beaker's reactions sell it all of the time. Can
0: you guess my number one? Um It's gonna be very obvious once you hear it.
1: I'm actually blanking uh You are fired, Piggy.
0: Piggy, you are fired! You are fired! Piggy,
1: you are fired! Fired! Oh. Fired.
0: Fired. You are fired, okay. Piggy. You are fired. My favorite comedic... Uh, it's hard to... You, I don't know if you can, you can call it comedic.
1: Um, someone somewhere's laughing.
0: My, my favorite cathartic moment of the year. Mm-hmm. It, it's been building up for about four seasons, so yeah. We give a lot of love to everyone on this show, to all the performers. We give a lot of love, especially to Mr. Oz. But I would like to point out, Mr. Henson, in this moment, is incredible, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Maybe some of the best performing he ever does is Kermit in the in the show.
1: I am inclined to agree,
0: and uh, at least, at least in the interpersonal dynamic stuff, you know, the musicals and whatever. But, but one
1: of his best moments, so Piggy fires Kermit fires Piggy is my number one. My number one is actually your number five. Just all of the beakers seeking revenge. On, <laughs> but there's an arc though, because you see Bunsen honeydew slowly realizing that beaker doesn't love him back. <laughs> and then realizing that he's outnumbered and there's that weird sociopathic lack of self-awareness. That's just, it plays against it perfectly. It's so good. Um, all right. So then, uh, our next list will be
0: our top five, um, Question marks, WTFs, uh, confusing things, uh, uh, um, offensive things. Just just kind of our thing. (laughs) As Arsenio Hall would say, things that make you go, hmm. If anyone remembers the Arsenio Hall show, you're dating yourself if you you raise your hand. He was great in (laughs) Monkey Bone. He was great in Coming to America. Mm Mm-hmm. I used to watch that show religiously, man. Like, as soon as I got old enough to stay up late, I didn't give a shit about staying up for Carson. I wanted to stay up for Arsenio Hall.
1: Number five, Nick. So it's going to be a little out of left field, but it was also out of left field when I saw it. Bo's legs. Like, the fact that (laughs) 5'12", we see Bo's legs, and it's not something that's supposed to draw attention to it, but Fo is a furry, furry boy. And, like, the thing is, it looks like he's wearing Uggs, And it's just strange enough to completely break my focus on anything else that's going on in that pit and just be like, are those foes legs or those foes boots or those foes legs? It was, it was a weird, weird mini loop. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting.
0: All right. I got in my number five, I got, where are Harry, Sam and Dr. Teeth? That's a good question. Um, Oh, we see, we see Harry. Not, not, we see him once. We see that one little moment, but, uh, and just in general, like, uh, um, you know, certain characters kind of, and this is inevitable The certain characters fade more into the background or they get interested in doing other ones. They get interested in doing new ones. You know, I feel like Scooter didn't get as much to do this year. He killed the Jabberwocky. He did kill the Jabberwocky. That's fair, but he didn't get any musical numbers like he, like he did in previous seasons. Hmm. But Sam's the character to me, Sam and Dr. Teeth are the two characters that like to me really get sidelined. Um, and, and I can't think of a Sam sketch from this season. I know he appeared, I think in one moment, but there was no like Sam's number and Dr. Teeth, like whenever they jam, they tend to jam with their jamming with the orchestra or a small combo. And they're not necessarily having Dr. Teeth there anymore. He doesn't, it, it almost feels like Floyd's the band leader or Janice is the band leader more than Dr. Teeth is sometimes. Hmm. So
1: they just haven't been around as much and I miss them, that's all. My number four, which will come as a surprise to no one, is Riders in the Sky from 521 because I know I know there's a certain amount of plausible deniability. <laughs> but Gonzo is still on horseback while wearing a sheet with a Confederate flag in the background and someone somewhere was just like, Gonzo gets it. And I've got a problem with that person, but also whoever decided that this was a great idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can see that. My number four is simple. It's Mac Davis's Peter Pan outfit from his opening number when he's sitting on the fish hook. Mm -hmm. Just uh, not a good look. Not a good look, dude. That's it.
1: My number three is probably the silver medal for Nightmare Fuel for this season, but Lottie Lemon in her wig from 520. (laughs) I forgot about the lemon in her wig. I didn't. So here's the thing about nightmare fuel. <laughs> As we're wrapping out the lists for this series, one of the weird criteria for whether or not something constitutes nightmare fuel is how would you feel about whatever this thing is chasing you down a dark hallway? And the thing is Michael Myers doing that fine. Okay. Big guy, unstoppable, whatever, right? Yeah. So this thing would have foot today, slaps yeah. and it would be taunting you the entire time. But it's like so many horror movies that I shouldn't have seen as a small child, like Puppet Master or Demonic Toys or something like that. You're still going to die painfully while this thing that looks absurd, but also terrifying with a talking wig, because maybe you need to fight off two Muppets at the same time. It's, it's upsetting. It's just upsetting. It was a very strange, strange moment. My number three is Brooke Shields not being
0: on Disney Plus. Like, I get it. Get that there's rights issues, but it's a great episode and it should be on there. It is a really solid episode, and it's a shame that they couldn't work that out. But they should have worked harder because uh, that episode is fantastic and an important episode of the show. Being the youngest guest star, uh, one of their higher concept episodes, it's got great numbers. It's got such great stuff in it, and um, their use of the song from the Wizard of Oz keeps it from being on Disney Plus. But uh, you know, to me, that's a big that's a big blah because it should be on there. People should be able to watch it.
1: My number two, in keeping with the theme of Nightmare Fuel, is Fozzie's Puppet Act from 508. I knew the puppet act was going to come up. Of course it was, because there's a killer clown puppet that takes on a life of its own and goes after Fozzie. And I don't understand. Like, Animal's probably higher on my list of favorite Muppets than Fozzie is. Beaker is probably higher on my list of favorite Muppets than Fozzie is. But for whatever reason, Fozzie is going to be one of the first ones that I feel protective over. And I don't like people causing like physical harm to Fozzie. <laughs> like Beaker has just built up a tolerance at this point. Animal's going to give as good as he gets. But Fozzie, Fozzie might go into the fetal position and we have to protect that bear. And the fact that the puppet, we do have to protect that bear. Like evil killer clown puppet going after Fozzie just makes me sad
0: well then at the end he comes back and he's he's now fozzy strung up
1: yeah why
0: being controlled by the puppet that's not ratatouille that's uh that's killer clowns from outer space Mine number two is marty feldman's wilbur and orville Wright sketch yeah that was a little out of left field i just didn't that was get a it lot out of left field.
1: <laughs> i just didn't get it yeah like, I, I mean i got it but i didn't get it yeah they That's were throwing it. stuff at a wall to see what stuck. And they threw a lot of stuff at a lot of walls. You know, I don't know if it was ever funny, but I, I just didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe if you're not sober, I don't know. My number one is actually from 502. And the fact, and it's the fact that Miss Piggy got no comeuppance for the stuff that she, and she doesn't in general, but there was something about the way that episode concluded with her just sort of like, even more so than the, uh, the one where she locks Kermit in the fungus thing. But the fact that she did that stuff and Kermit put up a boundary and everyone's like, we're going to do a little song and dance and completely ignore your boundary. It's always going to bother me a little bit. She learned nothing. She learned ab- unrepentant learned absolutely nothing. To be fair, the Muppets don't learn kind of, but also in the I course of 20 minutes, they might learn a little bit. I think part of it is, It might not have bothered me as much if it had been in season one, two or three, but the fact that we made it to fifth season before that particular vein broke (laughs) and then we just sort of hand waved it away felt bad. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to sitcoms. Fair
0: enough. Uh, My number one is Gonzo joins the clan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm with you. (laughs) That was my number one. Gonzo joining the clan. It was definitely on the list. (laughs) <laughs> uh, another honorable mention was actually us seeing the announcer in five Oh one. Oh yeah. When the five Oh one should have been our last episode. I know it was the last one recorded, but it, it would give us a bit more closure
0: and it's, yeah, it
1: it's still fine in syndication because out of context, it still works as a standalone episode. Yeah. And
0: it's got that end
1: of the world storyline, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're
0: everyone thinks the end of the world is coming. Cause Scooter sees it in a tarot card or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Or poem. He reads Fozzie's poem, I think. Hmm. And he gets the end of the world or whatever. Yeah. No, that's fair. I found this category very difficult. Best guest star.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth on this one for me too.
0: Not necessarily for... Because I had a ton of candidates. But because... this is I hate saying this. Not a lot of them stood out to me. When I looked at the list... There wasn't a whole lot of them that I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, they didn't really stand out to me. I mean, I knew who all of them were, and I remembered their episodes, but nobody popped. So I'm going with my heart for number five, and I'm cheating. Um, It's going to go to Linda Ronstadt and Debbie Harry. Oh, you got a twofer. I'm going a twofer. I'm cheating. I'm just going with women that Chad fell in love with when he was very, very young. That's fair. As my number five. I, I'll get that out of. I try to get that always get try to. I try to always get that out of the way early on the list because I don't want it loading the top. But uh, women that chat had a very big influence on Chad, and that's definitely two of them. So that's my number five. Plus, I, I like them in their episodes a lot.
1: My number five was actually Brooke Shields. Her story was her, her life story has been what it's been, but on that episode, she was great. She was doing a lot better than a lot of the full grown adults that we've seen as guest stars on the Muppet Show. And I, I think she knocked it out of the park.
0: Yeah, no, she was, um, she was very good. She was very good. She couldn't sing. <laughs> Not a singer, but, but she was great. My number four is Tony Randall. That was my number four, too. Oh, really? Okay. I really liked that episode.
1: It was a great episode. He was so,
0: and he like was so thing, funny
1: in it. He's a, such a good trickster, too, because I'm pretty sure he was well aware of what he was doing the entire time but just playing dumb while still like turning her stone and then pulling it back. I thought it yeah. was a really good episode.
0: Yeah. Him, hi, hi, him playing with her and the way he handled the, the stone piggy and the way he interacted with it. Uh, he just had a lot of interaction with the Muppets in that episode
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he was very funny. And then his, his, uh, I thought he did a great job in his closing uh, dramatic reading number that he was trying to do when he was trying to do a recitation for the finale. And it kept getting interrupted and everything. I thought he
1: was very funny doing that. So he was, that was one of the better episodes of this season for sure. Yeah, I agree. What was your number three?
0: My number three is Gladys Knight for that one was reason. Jesus. Really? Okay. For one reason and one reason only though. What is that? Uh, Cause I could listen to her sing all day. That too. Yeah.
1: I was That's trying it. not to put her up too high because similar to tier number five, she has been arguably more than any other guest star on the, the original Muppet show run. She has been just a, a factor of my life throughout. I've been listening to her music since I was, I wasn't able to walk yet. Um, and also she was just the second she goes in, she issues a warning once and then she takes no crap and I, I, yeah, hearing her sing, I could hear her sing forever. I didn't actually have much interest in listening to Mormon music before that, but now that I know that she's writing their gospel, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's just a strange development. I All just right, like so let's voice. see if we match for our number two as well.
0: I, I think this is where we diverge. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure this is where we diverge because my number two is Paul Simon. Oh, we do diverge. I, I, I have a big, uh big heart for that episode. He
1: was my I, honorable uh, mention, but I did think he was solid. I
0: really enjoy him in the episode and he basically gets it for one moment. And that's the moment where he steals Gonzo's chickens. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of my favorite moment of the entire season is when he, they said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to him? And he goes, I'm going to steal his chickens. (laughs) And he just, he gives this look like I'm a rock star. Chickens are obviously all female. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal his chickens.
1: He wins it just for that. What's your number two? My number two is actually Buddy Rich. And he, he was another one that kind of came out of left field. I, I guess I'd heard his name, like, incidentally, maybe once in a blue moon, but I had no real concept of who he is. I'm probably significantly more familiar with people that he's influenced. But for for his skill as a drummer and they like his personality was great too. And he played very well with the Muppets. But as soon as he starts going, when he's, when he does that segment where he plays throughout the theater and just like drums on everything, I was completely sold. Uh, no, I enjoyed buddy too. The drum battle is obviously, um, kind of a
0: classic Muppet moment, but I really liked the thing where he was, uh, drumming on all the, on everything. Mm hmm. And, um, and yeah, he was fun. He was a little, he,
1: he gave off this Sinatra vibe that I thought was kind of fun. That makes sense. Like you wouldn't want to cross him. Absolutely not. His he had a, apparently he had a legendary temper and that got him into trouble with Sinatra. Yeah. I,
0: and I, I kind of, for some reason,
1: I kind of liked that
0: about him. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that. I could, I could tell you didn't want to piss this man off.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: My number one, you're totally not going to agree with okay. at all. Because it's Carol Burnett. I She's not my number one, but I respect it. Because Carol Burnett, I do like her through the whole episode. I like her performance as the exasperated guest star who did not sign up for this dance contest. And is forced through the entire thing to play in this dance contest. And um, I think she does a great job doing it. I think that her her sketch comedy chops really come out. She has great moments with Animal during that, great moments with Gonzo. And then it of course it leads to the the finale with I Was Made for Dancing. And not to mention, of course, the most important
1: part, the Lonely Asparagus sketch. We didn't quite make it to the Lonely Asparagus. No, not not quite. Not quite. So if you had to guess what my first what my number one was, what would you say?
0: God damn it.
1: I knew you were gonna ask me that. Not Johnny Cash. <laughs> probably. Senior not Wences. No, although that is a good guess. He's one of my my honorable mentions. Because um, he was another one of those ones that kind of surprised me. It's actually Marty Feldman. Okay. The Wright Brothers sketch was still weird. It, it is. It's not not weird. But the entire concept of the episode and I, I know it came with a cultural content warning, but I don't know mm. if it was warranted in that case necessarily because he wasn't doing any impersonations of anything. He was just leaning very heavily into absurdity and the entire thing exists in that sort of bizarro dolly-esque space. It was a very Um, absurdist episode. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's not, not a surprise, but it was a very like Python-esque almost at times. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was weird. It was a weird one, but uh, uh, that's, that's, that's a cool choice. That's a cool choice. Did you have any honorable mentions?
1: Um, honorable mentions for the only one I really wrote down was James Coburn. James Coburn was one that I wanted to put down, but I couldn't. There was something about it I couldn't quite put my finger on that gave me pause. I had Brooke Shields too, and um, I had uh Melissa Manchester because I really enjoyed her for some reason. I don't remember. Yeah, I can see that she I she caught me off guard a little bit too. I I think she was a weird one because. Her last sketch definitely should have been her closing sketch, but it also felt like that's where we should have started. If that makes sense. She has, a, she has a really good song with uh Floyd mm-hmm.
0: in it from what I remember. Um, she does some flirting with Floyd actually, I think. All right. uh, Your favorite Muppet from the season or How just are we going from
1: five. To, oh, just the one. No, five to one for the season Uh, for my number five. Uh, we're going to put Rolf. Okay. And I, I think it's partially a conciliatory thing because Kermit stole the spotlight from Rolf. Rolf was there first. I mean, Kermit might've been there kind of first, but Rolf and the Jimmy Dean thing was there before there's ever really a concept or a whiff of a Muppet show. And Rolf took the back seat, but we have a, we have some really good moments with Rolf this season. Yeah. We have the cat came back.
0: Hmm.
1: We have, <laughs> we have dirty old egg sucking dog with Johnny cash. <laughs> There was, I can't remember the name of the song, but the one for Foo Foo. My number five is Animal. Mm -hmm. I think he had a pretty good year. Maybe it's a
0: little recency bias coming off of Buddy Rich. But um, he had that one. He was really funny in the Dance Marathon episode. He had the James Coburn episode. So I feel like Animal Animal got a a few extra. He he was in Danny Boy, which
1: gets him points right there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think Animal had a good year. I'm inclined to agree. My number four was actually Bo. And the thing is, before we started this, I had no idea who Bo was. Like, Bo is definitely one of the C or D list Muppets. But there's a degree of sincerity there that he's trying his best. When there's that moment after he got shocked when he was messing with the fuse box where he said he didn't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was that
0: was was, uh, Mr. Kermit. I don't want to play with fuses anymore. Yeah.
1: So sad. <laughs> and then he's talking about going out the window and he's like, no, no, I'm going to take a nap in the fire escape. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That was, uh, that wasn't buddy rich. Right. Yeah. Uh, my number four, I've resisted it. I haven't had him on other lists in the past. Cause I just felt like, I don't know too obvious, but this year I'm putting on Kermit. That's fair. I'll just list three highlights. One singing with Debbie, Harry mm-hmm. firing piggy. Mm-hmm. finally stood up for himself and fired Piggy even though he he caved like you know 18 minutes later <laughs> and then um he also uh his episode the Linda Ronstadt episode where he was um uh crushing on her the entire time and,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, she was reciprocating i think it was a pretty good year for the frog my my number 3 was actually Gonzo Gonzo i think season 4 was really Gonzo's season but he didn't fade to the background this season. He was he was still active. I would ar- argue that he was actually probably more present than Piggy was outside of like a couple of episodes. But he was there more consistently.
0: Yeah, I have him a little higher, but that's just my own biases um, that I have him a little higher. But uh, I agree with you. I think season four is the season of Gonzo. I have Link at number three. I kind of will always have Link at number three. <laughs> He's always uh dividing that line. He's just always right there, right there in the middle. You know, normally I don't have more than one gym character in the top five for some reason, but I got Kermit and I got Link, and um, I don't know. I think Link. Uh, I don't know what to say about him. He's Link. It's 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 hard to be humble, <laughs> and you know he's great. He's great on Muppets in Space. Um, he's creating pigs in space. He's not in Muppets from space. I don't think unless he's an extra link gets downgraded. That's one of the things that bothers me is link is such a big character on the show and he gets downgraded and he, he basically never works again.
1: Like part of that is just cause even within the show, we've got the A list, the B list, the C list. The thing that's actually surprising is Rizzo becomes so important after the fact because Rizzo very easily could have gone the way of Wayne and Wanda or Bo or, like so many other characters that have been introduced but not necessarily held on to. What was your number three? My number two? Your number two. Beaker. Beaker. I I love I think his his ascension has been the most like straight line or like an even plane of of him going up. There was never really any like back and forth with Beaker's character. There was only like the initial startled Beaker and the slow, slow progression into like Vengeful Beaker. And and I love Beaker. I've got Picky at number two.
0: Um, I'll admit not her strongest year.
1: I don't think. Um, I feel but, like outside of the beginning couple episodes, she wasn't as present. Also, she's not on my list because I am still pissed about 502. But
0: yeah, uh, I just, you know, I, I love her whenever she shows up. Um, I loved her in Johnny Cash episode. I know she was barely in it. She was really funny with Roger Moore, mm-hmm. and I think there were some times earlier in the season where she really got to shine. But um, the Tony Randall one, she's is really a great piggy episode. But uh, but I don't know. I love the pig.
1: All right. So my number one, uh, which is you know it's not entirely a cop-out, but it is going to be Kermit just because we've made it five seasons. And there's that moment in, I'm forgetting which episode it was, but they're asking if this is what it's normally like. And then he just gets like stampeded. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, this is, this is the normal expected thing. He's humming along the entire time. He has a couple of great other great moments too. Like where he gives away the
0: theater to Statler and Walter for a night to show them how hard it is like yeah maybe i'm wrong because i've got gonzo at number one but maybe i'm wrong maybe it should be kermit
1: i don't think it's wrong
0: um because i'm just saying no maybe you're right like he had it it was it was a good year for the frog but uh all right and then we come down to it
1: our favorite episode of the season or our best in show yeah best in show oh i i miss. i was actually just gonna say jim and that's sort of double dipping with my character thing, but just the fact that he was able to get through the full five seasons and stopped and he knew that he wanted to stop. That's fair. Jim is my best in show. And I, that might seem a little bit like a cop out, but it's also sincere. That makes me picking an episode uh, look petty. So
0: I won't, <laughs> I won't drop mine. Um, Cause I'll just, I'll just second yours. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. We're done with the Muppet show. So what Uh, do you feel? How do
1: you feel having finished it? Watch Uh, every 120 episodes. I'm glad. I'm happy we went through. There are a lot of things that I just sincerely am going to be grateful that I've been able to see. I, to reiterate for anyone that's like a late comer to the podcast, my, I'm, I've been a fan of Jim Henson, the Muppets since I was a kid. But my relationship with the Henson company is largely based on their non- mainline Muppet properties, things like the dark crystal or dinosaurs or labyrinth. And the storyteller in particular has been a huge influence, but going through and seeing like the heart of it has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, as
0: someone who grew up watching the show, it's, it's been a little different for me. Um, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a combination of nostalgia and discovery. Because I know I hadn't seen every episode. I, I, I had not seen every episode ever made. Um, and so I was constantly discovering new things, things I had forgotten, things I never saw in the first place. And then at the same time, every once in a while, something would pop up that would just trigger me, and I'm five years old again. And so it was a very interesting ride. I did learn. I think there's some things to take away. I did learn this. It's not a perfect show. I don't think it's fair to expect it to be. No, I'm just saying like I hold it up in such high esteem and it is held in such high esteem and rightfully so. But it's not a perfect show. It has its warts.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, it doesn't. It's a little inconsistent at times think that you can attribute that to their experimental nature though. Mm-hmm. They were never really satisfied doing the same thing. So they would always try different things and sometimes it doesn't work. I-, I'm, I-, I don't know. And I don't, I don't mean that as a drag on it, that it's imperfect. It's just, it makes it, <laughs> you know, like a person, it makes it more attainable to me. Um, more easier to wrap my head around. Cause it's not this
1: monolithic per- perfect piece of art. It was a television show there's something to be said about being able to track like those early rough episodes. Yeah. Those rough, rough episodes. And then where we end up. Yeah. It didn't hit the, I
0: mean, it hit the ground, you know, at a decent speed, but it, it was not, it was definitely not fully formed out the gate. I mean, those early episodes are unrecognizable,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, those early episodes looking back on them now have a lot of Sesame street influence. Yeah, I could see that. Because they had been making Sesame Street. And I think there was there's a little bit of, of that in there that they had to shake. And they hadn't really given into the high concept stuff yet. You know, they didn't really have that. You know, we didn't get a, a real concept episode until f- season two. They had some cool guests in season one, like Moomin Shantz, you know, and Vincent Price. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. Rita Moreno. But yeah, it, 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 it's, it's been, it's been really cool to go back and watch it. And there's a sense of accomplishment <laughs> of having just, it's 120 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. And to not just have watched them, but to have thought about them and, and, um, talked about them with you. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. This has been a lot of fun.
0: But we're not done. Jim Henson didn't stop. So we're not going to stop. So we're going to take a break. And, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what Jim Henson did next. Cause, uh, like I said, he's, he's not, he's not a man who's, who's liable to sit still. He, you know, he could, he could have sat on his laurels and just kind of rode the success of the Muppet show forever, but, uh, he's got to keep moving. He's got to keep making and, uh, we'll, it'll be fun to see what he creates next. Thanks for coming along on this section of the ride with us at lunatic daring leave a review all that stuff but more importantly just thank you for listening and um thanks for bearing with us as we've worked our way through this this uh truly great television show
1: it's been a lot of fun thanks guys
0: all right so uh, i've been chad i've been nick and uh again thank you for listening Feed of Lunatic Daring is written and produced by Chad J. Shank and hosted by Chad J. Shank and Nicholas Jackson. Music by Seth Podowitz. And a proud production of
1: Antithesis, Antithesis Audio. Audio.